Well, we're looking at Isaiah 40 to 55 in these weeks. It's, I think, 16 of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible, personally, filled with poetry that is unmatched. And I think that these proclamations by the prophet are still a very timely description of what the journey of faith is all about. And that's certainly the way that I'm approaching them, that they are depictions of much of what characterizes our spiritual life or our our life with God. And they're set in the context of the Babylonian captivity, the exile, and the anticipation of freedom from that and restoration to Jerusalem, to their homeland. And we're looking at a series, in this portion of this series, we're looking at a series of opposites that the prophet uses that I think characterize that, that holding these two opposites together or moving back and forth between them, they characterize the nature of this spiritual life, this life of following Christ, this life that could be characterized as an interplay of these opposites. And last week we looked at the opposites of idolatry and faithfulness, and this week I want to look with you at the opposites of remembering and forgetting. And it's a theme that really runs throughout many of these chapters, but I'm going to land in Isaiah 51 and refer to a couple of other places today as we explore this interplay between remembering and forgetting. And so I'd like to read Isaiah 51, verses 1 to 16. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation, for a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me and for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look to the earth beneath for the heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever and my deliverance will never be ended. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people who have my teaching in your hearts. Do not fear the reproach of others, and do not be dismayed when they revile you. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my deliverance will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. Awake, awake, put on... Strength, O arm of the Lord, awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to cross over? 
So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I, I am he who comforts you. Why then are you afraid of mere, a mere mortal who must die, a human being who fades like grass? You have forgotten the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. But where is the fury of the oppressor? The oppressed shall speedily be released. They shall not die and go down to the pit, nor shall they lack bread. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you in the shadow of my hand, stretching out the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. Let's pray. We pray this day, O oh God, for the thing we pray every day, which is that we might rest in the name that you have given us and turn our backs on the, the shouts of those who would name us something different. Lord, help us to rest in the identity that we know because we belong to you and liberate us through that rest and that confidence and lead us as we walk on the way that you have made for us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I've said more than once during these last few weeks, part of the implications of anticipating retirement, for me at least, is that my memory is on overdrive. And all sorts of things are coming back to me that it's little wonder that this morning I'd like to guide us into this sermon today with a reference to a book that I read in the 80s. It's actually a part of a series of books that are written by a woman, an English woman by the name of Susan Howitch, and she wrote these six books on fictional characters in the Church of England in the 20th century. It, it starts shortly after World War I and it goes through into the 60s or 70s, I think. The books were written in the 80s. And the third of these books in this six-part series is called Ultimate Prizes. And it tells the story, get this, of the main character. I love this name. It's so English. And it is a name that just begins to tell you immediately that you don't really want to have lunch with this guy. Um, <laughs> His name is Neville Asgarth. <laughs> and Neville Asgarth is this rather unlikable archdeacon in the Church of England who just struggles immensely and has kind of a, frankly, a pretty wimpy theology. And his story is told as it is in the 1940s and 50s. And one of the things that the author, Susan Howitch, puts in Neville's mouth constantly throughout this novel is, well, let's just bring the curtain down on this and get on with it. Let's bring the curtain down. Let's just forget about this and, and move on. Let's not deal with this difficulty. In other words, let's dissociate from this problem and just act like it was never there and move on. Let's forget. Let's bring the curtain down. Let's put it behind us and leave the theater because this part of the story is over. It's kind of like the line that we use very often, the cliche that we use, about moving on from a hurt or a wrong, and we just say what? Forgive and forget. 
right? The problem with the cliche, the problem with bringing the curtain down, is that we don't forget. Even if we leave the theater, even if we say we want to, even if we say we forgive, we don't forget. <laughs> we can't. So what a stupid cliche. What a dumb idea to just try and bring the curtain down on something and announce with a flourish, like some Shakespearean actor taking a bow, it's over, go home. Forgiving is rarely accompanied by forgetting. And forgiving actually has a lot to do with remembering. And choosing mercy, remembering and choosing mercy nevertheless. You move forward nevertheless, even though you don't forget. And I suppose that's why the prophet calls his people into the spiritual work that is an interplay between remembering and forgetting. And you can hear it in all sorts of places within these chapters in Isaiah 40 to 55, but my two favorites to put up against each other are in 43:18, and we've heard this passage already, do not Remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. For behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Wild beasts will honor me, etc., etc., etc. So there's, remember not the former things. And then there's the passage that we read today. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, your mother, because he was but one when I found him, when I called him. Look to your story. Look to your roots. Remember. So forget, but also remember. Well, which do you mean, Isaiah? <laughs> what the prophet is saying is move on from the past, move forward, but don't forget who you are and what God has done. And Isaiah 51, 1 to 16, I think, is a great depiction of kind of some of the things that go on as we involve ourselves in this work of remembering and, and yet also forgetting, of letting go of something that doesn't need to stay with us, and yet recognizing that there is something that will always be a part of us and remembering that. You look at Isaiah 51, 1 through 16, and the prophet sort of imagines a conversation going on between the people and God. And it illustrates that interplay between remembering and forgiving. So if we look at that, in the first eight verses of Isaiah 51, there are three repetitions of the phrase, listen to me. And this is something that I just want to say, a little lesson in reading scripture. A good English class can teach you how to read scripture well. You know, look for repeated phrases and the way that they break ideas up into these three strophes in, in the poetry. But the first one is, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. In other words, listen to me, says God, you who are seeking relationship with me. Remember who you are and from whom you came. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. Reconsider the story of your origins and then look ahead in light of this reconsideration, in light of this rerouting. That's a word I like, rerouting 
in this thing that keeps you connected with nutrients. Look to the rock and then look ahead. For the Lord will once again comfort Zion. The Lord will once again come alongside his people. And this is, remember, the book that begins with that word comfort. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare has ended, her iniquity is pardoned. Right there at the beginning of, of Isaiah 40. The wilderness will once again, just like in the Exodus, will become a, a verdant, growing thing. And the devastated city will become like the Garden of Eden. So listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, says God. You who want relationship. And then the second listen to me. Listen to me, a little more intimate, my people. You who belong to me. You have an identity rooted in me. I have and will continue to deliver and save and rule. And you will know justice and you will know hope. You can look forward to something new as I will be who I have always been. And then the third, listen to me, verses 7 through 8. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. You who have my teaching in your heart. In other words, you are in my heart and I am in yours. So do not adopt the identity of your captors. Do not adopt the identity that your captors have assigned to you. For the way that your captors have reviled and reproached you will fade away just like their power that is right now fading away. And something else lasts, and it's not their power. And then there's a prayer. It's a prayer that the people pray to God. And it's almost as if someone is saying that the, the unstated rejoinder to these three listen to me's is, well, God, are you listening to us? We're kind of not having a great time right now. And so it says, awake, awake, wake up, God. Put on the strength of your arm. Wake up, God, and awake and be who you are. Put on that strength and dry up the sea as you did in the Exodus and make a way between Babylon and Jerusalem through the wilderness and restore us, empower us. Empower us to return and to take this journey back into an unknown place that is actually also very familiar to us. And to return shouts of joy and gladness to you, the one who cares for us. And then finally, God's reply in verses 12 through 16. I indeed am the one who comforts you. I am, as you say, and will do that. But why did you forget me? <laughs> why did you defer to the weaker powers? Why is your fear your default programming? I will never forget you. I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you in the shadow of my hand. And you are still with me. You are still my people. And to repeat what Karen read for us earlier, can a woman forget her nursing child 
or show no compassion for the child of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. You will have a place with me, whether you feel it or not. You know, remembering is not just something that holds us back, not just something that we have to bring the curtain down on and forget. It's also something that moves us forward. I think of a sort of related issue, you know, in the last century when South Africa went through what it went through with the election of Nelson Mandela in the end of apartheid, they started these truth and reconciliation commissions to explore the wrongness of what apartheid brought and yet to affirm that in a new country relationship needed to be at the foundation of bringing white and black together. But that couldn't happen without remembering the divide and telling the truth about the abuse. It's sort of a mending and moving on from the injustice, from the crimes of apartheid. And, and in order to do that, it involved a looking back and telling the truth about those crimes, and yet also a looking forward to a new experience of relationship. Moving on is never just about bringing down the curtain and forgetting about something. And in the same way, it's never just about remembering what God has done in the past and acting as if that's enough. You know how we get down on ourselves sometime. Yeah, this is really hard, but, you know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I should be happy. Well, that's a real productive attitude, by the way. That's almost like trying to forget. It isn't just about remembering what God has done and saying, suck up, I'll deal with it, and I'll move on. Because in the spiritual life, in the way of faith, in some ways we're always moving between two prayers. On the one hand, in the face of pain, we pray, be who you have been in the past. Make it like it was and restore us to that place of joy and gladness that we know. But on the other hand, we pray, take us to a brand new place. Take us deeper into this relationship with you and give us a brand new song to sing, a song that is born out of a discovery about you that we have never before seen. For this is a relationship that always is growing. And so my friends, whether we know sorrow or suffering, or joy and prosperity, it is quite simply the relationship with God that is the constant. For God says, forget, on the one hand, forget Egypt's and Babylon's and Rome's definition of you, because it won't last, because empires rise and fall. But remember, 
Remember my definition of you, says God, because I've written your name on the palm of my hand. Let's pray. Help us, O oh God, to remember who we are. And that is a, the fact of remembering who you are and that we belong to you. So root us and ground us in that mercy, that kindness, that certainty. And so equip us to live boldly and to live reflecting the love that has been poured into us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.